0: Live from the architect's office. This is derailed trains of thought. Welcome to him. Hello. This is a little
1: more unsettling than our last couple of places. Um, it's very weird seeing all these screens of me. I think they're all me. They seem to be all be wearing the same outfit. Yeah, it's, very, it's
0: one of those, like, you look in a mirror and a mirror and a mirror, and there's yeah. too many of us.
1: It's a little disconcerting. Yes. And uh guy with the white beard is just staring at us over yes. there.
0: Uh, he looks like he's going to try to lecture us about something. Maybe we can just ignore him? Can't do that? Is there a door? <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I think there's a door right over here. Okay, okay, we'll uh, see. We'll see. If, if he starts
1: bugging us, we'll maybe we'll hightail maybe out here. Maybe we have a new listener. Uh, hey, we'll take that. Yes. I mean, he's a little late to the game here, but... Anyway, anyways, welcome to Derail Trains of Thought, your
0: premier podcast on storytelling for the creator and the consumer. My name is Timothy Deal. My name is Nick Hayden, and we welcome you to um, episode one hundred and forty-nine. Yes, believe it or not, this is the penultimate episode before our hiatus. The only reason a penultimate episode is so they can say the word penultimate, basically. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great word. Yeah, you only get to use it once.
1: There are there one of those special words that have a very
0: specific purpose. And it always worked. I mean, just it just feels good to say. It is. Penultimate. Mm-hmm. The <laughs> next episode is the ultimate episode. The ultimate, uh, I guess. But, yeah. Yes. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but, but that's, that's jumping ahead. Yeah. So, um, any news before
1: we get started here? Any news? Um... We actually had some blue skies a few days ago. I know. It was
0: nice. I know. Nice.
1: It's been a very cloudy, gloomy uh, oh, Indiana, winter, winter it's so far. I'm
0: sure there's other places, but I miss the sun. I don't care about the cold, but give me some sunshine. I, I, I mean, I would
1: like some more snow. Like, if it's going to be cold, I'd just as soon have snow. We'll I've Give said us this sunshine. Before. Yes. Snow and sun. I mean, at least if you have snow, it's still inherently brighter than if you have clouds and no snow. Correct. That anyway, just well, that saying. was
0: your weather update. <laughs> <laughs> we need a new segment, weather update from Indiana.
1: Well, you know, again, February, there's not much news going <laughs> no. on, so. Nope. All right. Well, let's go on
0: into story school. So we thought in tradition of our podcast, so way back in episode one. I think our, we touched on this last time. But Did, yeah, it, did we talk about this last time? I but, can't, but it's a good reminder, yeah. We talked about endings for our first episode. <laughs> yep. And somewhere along the line at one of our other hiatuses. Just a, before another hiatus, we talked about beginnings. Yes. So it's about time to talk about middles. Middle, yeah. This has been on
1: our topic list for a while, but we were saving it just for the right moment for and, the penultimate
0: episode. Yes,
1: yes. And thought about doing it for the 150th, but that didn't seem quite satisfying. No,
0: I didn't know. You don't want middle for the end. Yeah. <laughs> we can do middle for the penultimate. Yeah, there we go. The, the near end, I guess. So, anyways, I was thinking just a little bit about the middle. I feel like when we say the middle so often, it's going to start sounding like nonsense. <laughs> But in English class in middle school, you always learn that like that plot diagram, the little mountain thing is like exposition, rising action, climax, falling action, or denouement and resolution. Which works somehow even whether you're doing
1: a three act or a five act structure. Yeah. They both have that kind of peak in the middle, which I remember surprising me back in the day. I'd always be like, huh, why isn't the peak at the climax at the very end? But I guess the idea of like, first you introduce your story, act one, Mm -hmm. rising action,
0: act two, act three, I guess is the... The f- what do they call it? Well, the, well, I mean, the climax is where everything's changed. a point of no return. And then it's all falling action or denouement, if you want to be fancy. Like Hotel Denouement from... Yeah, but like... But but, the, but it's basically, made make that decision, then the last action scene is basically just fallout. Yeah, essentially.
1: I mean, it sounds counterintuitive in some ways i think because as a kid i always expected yeah that it's just going to get more exciting up until you get to the ending and yep. you get, that's when you have your faction so the idea that it's falling action is like what it, but it, it makes sense that like in a, in a fallout sort of like these are the results of something that like has happened.
0: whatever whatever the main conflict is the, the protagonist has made his major decision and everything is basically destined after that yeah you know yeah but anyway we're talking before the climax for the middle Oh, okay, oh well, at least that's my
1: perception of it well, I mean that's I guess that's what's the trick here, like sometimes it feels like the climax is the the last act mm-hmm. like say let's look at the original Avengers, okay, in some ways, the Battle of New York feels like the climax, it's the moment where everything's going on yeah. at, but that's like that's very clearly pretty late in the game that's, yeah. it feels like an act four act five sort of thing so what's the pinnacle before then act three probably when there's uh you know a lot of act two is building tensions between the avengers who don't yeah. trust each other or shield for a lot so is colson's death
0: the climax probably yeah i think you're right i guess when i was in a middle though i was thinking basically all that rising action stuff sure okay. all that and again, like if you do the diagram, it's always that, it's the longest line. Yeah. It's just like, and stuff happens. <laughs> you, know, you know, you're defining for students. Yeah, this was your background. And this is just the story. And then climaxing it. Like, <laughs> like, this is just the stuff. Yeah, the stuff, the, the getting to it. And I think the, the problem, stuff, yeah. not the problem, but the, the difficulty with middles, at least as a creator, I'm coming from a creator point of view, is that most of the times for me, I know kind of the background, the getting going. Mm-hmm. And I know kind of, The big point, but, like, how do you get there? Yeah.
1: How do you get the ball rolling and then keep it moving? I mean, and we'll probably have two different fronts of this discussion. We'll talk about the middle of just an individual story and then, like, of a series or, like, a a trilogy.
0: Because then trilogies and and series have a different—they have, like, a meta rhythm. Yeah. On top of the— Well, and, like, even in a story—in a book, like, chapters will have a rhythm, and then all the chapters build to another— Sure. Yeah,
1: it's kind of both and in some ways, but like it's when you're talking about a series, it's a little different from like the individual story. Yes, I agree. So, but anyway, so let's talk first about like within the story, within itself, the story itself, a single story.
0: And I think because you always as an audience member, you want to get, you want to stay interesting. You want to always find one more thing, like in a mystery, you want one more thing, one more thing, one more thing. The problem is how do the danger is how do keep the one more thing not being. One, one more thing, thing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. At what point does the story start getting muddled because you're just trying to keep plates spinning? Trying to
0: plates spinning, or too much? You're just trying to add drama that isn't essential drama.
1: Yeah, or maybe you're just so interested in your characters that you want to explore their angst for a little bit farther, and you're not bringing it over the the hump, the yeah. climax of so. It's it, it's still weird to me to think of the climax as not being in the. It feels like the
0: climax should be like in the last third, essentially. And I think sometimes it is. Yeah, yeah. I think kind of. I think people, and again, I think there's sometimes many climaxes than like. Yeah, but the I, more complex the story gets.
1: And I guess probably in if we we're looking at, like a Shakespeare use of the five acts, probably acts one to three are a lot longer than acts four and five. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, that must be why another reason why,
0: but. But I think the hard thing is that we have this need for. Novelty and forward motion. You know, we always say, "Oh, the story got bogged down." Mm, yeah, and I think that's a hard thing to do. like. Right now, my wife's watching with my daughter season three of Once Upon a Time. Oh, okay. Which we always remember as being like just wandering around the jungle in Neverland forever. <laughs> oh yeah, that, that, that one, <laughs> that mess. Yeah. So, well, there's a weird thing where like an author or a story creator can create new events, but if it doesn't feel like it's moving, progressing. I don't know if it's the characters or the theme or, you know, you can have things happening without feel like you're getting anywhere. Yeah. And that's the weird thing about the middle. Like you can have motion without progress. Yeah. Once Amount of Time seemed to have that problem a lot,
1: actually. Mm-hmm. Like the pacing was always one of their weakest points. I yes. often
0: felt like. Especially after season one or two. Yeah.
1: yeah. Nice thing about season one is that it was like exploring a new world and like, it was a very self-contained thing almost. And then, when they were going forward are like, okay, we gotta we wanna do the same similar sorts of things with these characters because we like these particular dynamics, yeah, but yeah. how do you keep that moving? Maybe. So let's
0: use let's use that real quick, just talk about what do you think are some of the pitfalls or dangers in the middle? The thing that you've noticed that tends to just muddy the waters.
1: Well, I do think the author or the creator's hesitation sometimes to pull the pen, yeah, uh, can be a, a big issue. Like they know that if certain things happen going to change the game
0: and then suddenly and falling not, not, yeah, the falling action. Yeah, and they the fallout has to happen then. Right. So they keep pushing it off. Yeah, and, and I think that's... That's probably more of a TV thing in a book or not necessarily? Uh, probably I, more I, so, but I can see it happening in a book. I mean, I would say, like, probably the biggest flaw to the second book of Strand Fred is it takes too long for anything to get to happen. Mm. And we could argue on a different time why or whether it should change or whatever, but... I think part of it was not so much I didn't want to pull a pin but I didn't feel like the characters were in the right spot to pull it yet like I didn't know it was believable yet. So I feel like I moved I I spent a long time moving character motivations around. Uh-huh. Whether that was right or wrong, but I think that's that same thing that pulling the pin like you take too long to get to there's this build up tension and it's got to be a release but then you just keep
1: just wait hang on we're going to do some more stuff we're yeah. going to do some more soul searching. Yeah. 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 I mean there's Something to be said for some of that. I mean, I remember I used to say that book two is basically
0: season two of Babylon 5. Like, yes. this kind of rising tension of things and, yeah, going there, on. And there's, yeah, and I think, I suppose it's kind of an audience thing, that uh, how we deal with middles. Because I think some audiences are made modern, more modern, more one, let's get to it. Mm. Versus the slow burn. I mean, there's a place for a slow burn. Yeah, yeah. And I think it just, some of it's how you write it. Sure, But some of it might be what you're expecting to, oh. to a ex- certain extent.
1: Yeah. No, that's very fair. I mean, it's interesting to me how superhero shows, whether TV or movies, often don't keep the secret identity going for super long. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you had Aunt May finding out about Spider-Man, the second Tom Holland yep. the Spider-Man movie. In comparison, like Superman and Lois Lane didn't officially
0: get together for like fifty years yeah. until they finally got married in the nineties. And every every well, a lot of the earlier TV shows like Lois and Clark or even Smallville, they just no one ever found out hardly. Yeah, everyone well once while in Smallville, everyone once someone find out. Yeah, and and Lois and Clark. Oh, well, well, they got married eventually, didn't they? They
1: did. I think in like season three or four. Okay, the, the, the show's not as actually as long as you think it was, just because it was, it was
0: syndicated and we didn't watch all at once. And, yeah,
1: yeah. And we were kids. Yeah, exactly. and everything's <laughs> long when you're kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But yeah, it's interesting. Nowadays, we, we don't have this uh, tendency to want to keep the status quo for a super long time, mm. which, again, good or bad.
0: Yeah, and I guess in the superhero case, it's partly probably because it's been played out in probably again, so many different times, and yeah. there are other dramatic moments they want to keep mm-hmm. as opposed to also doing that one. Yeah,
1: and that's totally fair. I mean, like I said... Superman did 50 years of having a secret identity, and
0: Lois is like, okay, let's get on. Let's do something else. I think another possible downfall of Middles is sometimes, and I used to complain about this more, it still happens in the TV shows, to keep ramping up unnecessary drama. Yeah, sure. You know, just, let's make them feel, let's make them feel. And sometimes somewhat disconnected to the larger momentums going on. Yeah, yeah. Like, like let's add something new in, and something new... I suppose that's kind of was you know we talked about Core of the Air. Oh, the book. The book, which listened last episode for our thoughts on that, but they almost derailed the forward momentum and constantly bringing new, new
1: ideas, new idea. Now new, that's
0: different than new drama, but it's similar. It is
1: similar, yeah. You know, interestingly, I can think of another superhero example. of This one of the books that I've read most. Thoroughly was Ultimate Spider Man. Okay. Which was a very, I read like 120 some issues of that. And it condenses like 40 years
0: to Spider Man, correct?
1: Yes, basically, which is what I appreciate about it because like I've never read original Mm -hmm. universe Spider Man that much really. So this was a nice way to kind of get the highlights. The highlights, yeah, yeah, basically. But it is, it also, I remember feeling like toward the latter half of that, has this, this tendency, and I think the mainline books do this too, a piling problem after problem after on Peter Parker yeah. to the point where, like, how is Peter not, like, in a mental institution by this point? Yeah. Uh, all these things that he has to deal with, yeah. One of the challenges of ongoing story of keeping it interesting w- without, like, making it so overdramatic that, like, your
0: guy is going nuts. I wonder, I don't know if there's a problem with middles or this is more of an ending thing. Sometimes they pile on they raise the stakes so much that when they solve it, uh huh, you're like, but what about all this other stuff that you didn't you kinda just brush out under the rug? Uh huh. It's like half the city just died, but yay, the <laughs> good guy won. And you're like and they don't deal with any of that. I don't know if that's a middle problem or an ending problem, but it's
1: probably yeah, both. It, it might be a little bit of both. I mean, I remember one of the last wars in Naruto. Yeah. When I was I was reading the manga on a weekly basis, and toward the end I had lost so much track of what was going on. It's like, is this all happening in the same day? <laughs> is was this multiple days? How long has it been since Naruto left this island? And like this other long fight, it, it, it got to be ridiculous and, like ultimate fight after ultimate fight, and being like, okay, this just feels meaningless yeah, at this yeah. point. So yes. Whether it's a middle or ending, dragging something on too long really saps the energy out of something.
0: Yeah. Do you have other other kind of versions of things that go wrong in middles before we tackle maybe the other side of it? That's about all I got, Earth. As far as I know. So I don't. Again, it's hard to speak in specifics. But what do you think exemplifies a really well put together middle? An individual story are we still talking about? Or are you uh, talking about a sure. like trilogy? Uh, let's, do, let's finish the individual stories up and then we'll go to trilogies um, or series, yeah. Well, I think some
1: genres might have an advantage of okay. this because I was thinking today about the different books of The Lord of the Rings. Yes. Yes. The first one, Fellowship, is kind of distinct in that it's a travel book. Yes.
0: You have a a known ending in some ways. Yeah.
1: Even though, I guess, Frodo and Sam continue on to the, the travel motif and the other characters kind of do other stuff. Fellowship is all a travel, and I guess in that one, you still kind of have two distinct parts, like the trip to Rivendell, and then there's kind of a nice little middle there where you're like, can I catch your break? So I guess this is a good example of this. You kind of catch your breath, reconvene with everyone, evaluate, get a bigger picture of what's going on in the world, and then continue moving on from there. But I guess what I was originally thinking is, let's say The Hobbit, for instance, that's a little bit more focused on a travel story. I mean, you don't have to worry about being bogged down because you're constantly moving forward in a certain direction. I mean, I guess you could say like something like being trapped in the elves forest is a bit of a bog down, but it's still, it's like an adventure along the way. Yeah.
0: I wonder, I wonder if that's true in that if the reader, viewer doesn't have a sense of at least where you think you're going, even if that's not where you end up, if you don't have a direct, a well-defined, I don't know, you can mess with that, direction, mm-hmm. the middle feels bad even if it's not. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that uh, that makes a big difference.
0: Because sometimes you go back you're like, okay, I get the middle now, but I didn't the first time because I didn't know what where we were, what the point was. Mm-hmm. Where at least if you have an ending, even if it's a fake out. Yeah. At least then you're understanding what's happening in the middle based mm-hmm. on where you think you're going.
1: Yeah. Remember uh, what we talked about last episode, having the audience's frame of reference mm-hmm. or being able to put yourself in the audience's shoes can help a lot mm-hmm. in help in knowing, okay, we've got a plan, or at least, or sometimes, you know, if you want them to be confused, be confused for the right reason. Yes, yeah.
0: <laughs> so they, they still have a frame of reference. They still have like a, when you have no direction at all, you're just like, Am I waiting for this or that or what am I what am I waiting for?
1: Yeah. So speaking of mysteries, we just recently read the first Perot book for our book club. Yes, which is great, which is a lot of fun. And the great thing about a mystery where you've got the central detective is that even if you're kind of even if your reader or viewer is kind of befuddled by the mass of clues and red herrings going around. They at least there's a detective that
0: kind of knows. All right, this is where we're going. We're we're gonna unravel things. And even if and he gives a signpost of like, I'm closer. I'm almost there. I need one more clue. Yes. So you're like, okay, it's coming. It's coming. Yeah.
1: And and sometimes if you have your Doctor Watson or in that book Hastings Hastings, uh, your your narrator who kind of lets you the audience have a. Uh, what do they call that? Point of view, basically, yeah. you're, you're going through. Again, it's another grounding. Like,
0: the narrator who's just as confused but is going along mm-hmm. with the detective. <laughs> I, I think that's, this is slightly off with the middle, but I have found that the shows, the fantasy sci-fi shows that work the best are the ones where you have at least one character who is as baffled or as confused or as whatever as the audience. Mm. Especially if it's a little over-the-top show. Sure. But if you play it completely serious and no one's saying what you're thinking, yeah. you're like what's going on or why are they doing that? Yeah, And at least having one person secretly kind of say like, yeah, this is ridiculous or this is hardcore. I'm explaining the world that doesn't make any sense to you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think, I think that's one reason why early MCU was pretty successful. People would say that sometimes the characters who would like talk sardonically about the things that are going on around them. At some point it would sap the drama. They, they relied a little on that a little too heavily, Mm -hmm. but early on, when you know we're doing things with superhero movies that hadn't really mm-hmm. been done before, yeah, and, like it was good to have someone take back a backseat and like, oh
0: wow, this is weird. You know, yeah, this, this is weird. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> as, yeah. But I mean, it's hard to play something weird straight until you're. It takes more suspension, suspension and disbelief
1: until and, and, until you
0: get used to it. Until you get used
1: to it, and like, until the genre establishes
0: itself, mm-hmm. and then once now that that has, we're like, okay, keep going. Go oh. as weird as you want. Talking raccoon. Let's go with it. <laughs> exactly. I think something else you I thought of while you were talking is that I think middles do need consistent payoffs. Mm. Like, okay, you're not to the climax yet, but we need we need to feel like we're we're making some sort of progress or recognition that we're not and we're gonna do something about it. Yeah. That's, and that's your a good mystery point. example gave me that because on mysteries you're always like, Here's a couple more clues. Here's a couple more clues. Mm-hmm. You feel like you're getting somewhere.
1: Some sort of breakthrough.
0: Yeah. So you got this sort of I mean, I don't think a middle is just straight rising you know, we Call say rising action, but I don't think it's just the nonstop action. I think you have those moments of rest. You have those yeah. little, what do they call it? And what does Mizak say? Ma is that the that pause? I saw a video about the okay, the, like the pause. You just kind of let things simmer a little, simmer bit. a little bit.
1: Yeah, it makes sense because you want to have your peaks and valleys, like you can't,
0: even going up, even little ones going up.
1: Right, right, and say Jay Michael is pretty good at this sort of thing mm-hmm. in, in Babylon Five. Like you've got your rising threat of the shadows, but basically every episode is the characters dealing with an individual threat or yeah. like getting their alliance put together.
0: And I suppose, you know, since we're slowly transitioning to series and trilogies, is that, especially series, the episodes act like many, I mean, is like each episode has an arc. The, 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 the arc, but they're also working as a larger That's true. arc theoretically, In which is, Impressive, actually. Yeah, <laughs> uh, when you think about it that way, there's like wheels within wheels.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, and that's a very TV thing. I mean, I guess we've talked before about Lost. How yeah, what? yeah. yeah a couple times, <laughs> and how they were kind of bogged down in season three, and they but, knew it, and they knew it. They're like, we need an endpoint. We need to be we've able to pull the trigger. Yeah, or pull the pin. Pull the pin. Yeah, yeah. we we got to be able to say here's where we're going. We got to be able to plan to like have these and again once they had a game plan like all right you're gonna have three mini seasons
0: basically they're able to do kind of little arcs within each season Mm -hmm. and suppose that it's a you know like pulling the pin middles need momentum of some sort i mean we need these rhythms Mm -hmm. but we need and i think that's what the the destination helps that momentum where are we going is that we have five days of the bomb goes off whatever it is we got to feel like there's we're making progress (laughs) yeah you know it's a story like Stories are interesting because there is a beginning, middle, and end. The middle is basically only there to get between the beginning and the end. Yeah.
1: yeah. That's one way you can look at it. Since we're on on trilogies now. Yeah, go for it. Yep. Let's talk about Empire Strikes Back versus The Last Jedi. Okay. They're both the middle movies in their particular trilogies. Yes. And I remember, actually, I think I might have actually made this topic on our list sometime after watching Last Jedi, which must have been several years ago now because I've been <laughs> meaning to rewatch it. Uh, well, rewatch the sequels in general. But Empire Strikes Back, largely considered one of the best Star Wars movies ever. It's the middle of a trilogy. Yes. The Last Jedi, very decisive, very divisive divisive movie. Yes. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Mm -hmm. What's
0: the difference here, do you think? Well, I think Empire Strikes Back, what it has for it is, again, trilogies, I think, need to do this. Then you take what the original one did well, Mm -hmm. and they need to deepen something. Mm. and open new territory without changing the fundamental feel of the world. Sure. Yeah. So you know, Empire Strikes Back, we deepen Darth Vader's more in it. The Empire is, is larger. That the Rebels now are it, they're not winning anymore. Now they're losing. Mm-hmm. Lucas training. There's just like everything has its has got to its logical conclusion in some ways. Like Ooh, okay, like yeah, we won, but then what?
1: Yeah, there's more problem. Yeah, more. To and deal so, so
0: everyone and everyone's progressing. Darth Vader's. He, realized, to win. He, you know, he
1: realizes this Luke guy is important and we don't know why, but he knows how. You know,
0: somehow. Han's sins are coming to roost. Luke is training. Leia, there's romance all over the place. Uh-huh. Um, so everything is progressing from where it was in book in, in book one, in the first one. <laughs> right. In a natural you, you may not have guessed it if you had just read, say, *Splinter of the Mind's Eye, but <laughs> hopefully not. Um Meanwhile, Last Jedi... I want I, yeah, I, I, to say one other thing about Empire. It also is seeding what's to come. And then, because the Middle is also saying, like, this is direction, but we don't finish the stories. We don't finish the training, really. Yeah, no. We got to re- go rescue Han. Han is Han, rescued. Darth Vader never really got what he wanted. That's true. The romance is left un... I mean, I love you, I know, but then it's broken. Yeah. So everything is progressing big... forward, and then... Cut off,
1: yeah. Luke has this big question about his father, yep. who, which is it's interesting. We don't even talk about Luke's father in Empire Strikes Back up until that scene with Darth Vader, even though it had been an important plot point early in the, the yep. previous movie. That's another reason why it probably blindsided people
0: yep. because it had get out no nowhere, setup. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think what does really well is both continue things that maybe were unspoken in the first one and move into logical conclusions without actually concluding it, mm, yeah. So Return of the Jedi is basically all climax and falling action because you start the movie and suddenly Luke's acting trained. They rescue Han. I mean, then the, the, the Darth Vader thing gets put. That's a climax, yeah. climax. But sure. they, they don't lose any time. It's continuing in, in many ways fulfilling one right after another various things they had started. Mm-hmm. But also by adding new things. We've got this job the Hutt guy. and Sure. You know, and there's a second Death Star. <laughs> the Emperor shows up for once and you're like... <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah, we've been—we we've only heard rumors
0: and yeah, seen him his in, his face in randomly, a hologram. Yeah. Yep. yeah, So it does really well, that sort of, like, exposition, first movie. Yeah. Getting to know the world. We're going to ramp everything way up, and we're going to fulfill it. We're going to make you feel complete and, like, ah, it's done. Uh-huh. Last Jedi, first off, it doesn't have as good of a starting one to go off of. I mean, you basically have... I know, it's the weird. Force
1: Awakened, I mean, it's trying. The trilogy, I feel, is trying to do some of the similar things. Well, I mean, yeah, For, it the, is. <laughs> Force Awakened is way too a new hope, is what a lot of people say. And I think I feel like The Last Jedi starts off
0: doing the kind of building on. like, I, I like think we the Ray see. Luke thing was a really good. Yeah. My memory of Last Jedi is forever. The, the Ray Luke stuff was actually some of the best parts of. It was a good continuation. Good continuation, whether you liked how it worked or not. It mm. was dramatically interesting and continuous. Yeah.
1: I think some of the the other characters' continuations are probably what feel more frustrating to mm-hmm. some audiences, because Finn goes off with this brand new character, which, fine, they introduce new characters, but, like, you know, we had Poe, who who's yeah. kind of, like, stranded in this re- really badly written, what what do we call it? Mutiny? Not quite mutiny. Crisis of confidence, yeah. we'll yeah. say. Crisis of confidence thing, like, in... We should want them to be able to trust Leia, and we should want to be yeah. able to trust her people. Like, that whole plot line is just very unsatisfying, I think, for people who want to see a continuation
0: of who Poe and Finn were in the pre- from the previous movie. Yeah, I think, I think the problem is, they, in some ways, we got one thing in, the first, in Force Awakens, and then it kind of like, let's rejigger everything and spend another time building new conflicts yeah. instead of expanding the ones that we already had. Which might be okay if you had...
1: It is also building the the
0: deal with Ray and Kylo. Which I feel like is actually one of the better, stronger parts of the from my memory of the movie. Uh-huh. It's And I, there's just a one there's some weird internal choices as well that there is as a Th- as a middle movie. And and the pr- other problem is it's hard to know it doesn't have as clean of a here's what happens. Like you get to Empire Strikes Back, you're like you have all these things that need to be finished up. Mm-hmm. And I think last year you just have basically Ray's in charge now. Like, I don't know. Like it's, we, little...
1: it's It's vague. Like, we know that there's still bad guys out there to be taken care of, but, like, it, the direction is still fuzzy. And yeah. Which is not the where you really want to be, I think, after... Because,
0: because you kill... That one? Uh, Yeah, yeah. And so also then, like, you cut off a plot line, you're like, what do... Which is not... I mean, trilogy's not the best way to do that. Like, if you had a series and you, like... Yeah. Subvert expectations and you're like, oh, this is gonna be interesting. What do we do for the next... mm mm-hmm. ...couple? Yeah, and or, it, or there's maybe just too many subversions in one movie for a.
1: Well, yeah, that, I think that's probably what the people who most dislike Rian Johnson. That's probably
0: why if I was like, ha,
1: I'll do this and I'll be, I'll really surprise you here, which, which
0: can be can be fun. And like, I love his like Knives Out subversions of the mystery genre and stuff, mm-hmm, but sure. I think it's almost too much. Yeah, based on the reaction, and also coming off of in some ways kind of a vanilla setup for the first one. Mm,
1: yeah. I mean,
0: if there was more continuity between the three, yeah. you might be able to get away with it more. Possibly,
1: yeah. Those movies were a lot of fun watching and talking yeah. about coming out and go see. We've we've done that, yeah, we've done that. <laughs> but but yes, yeah, as, as time has gone on, it's just one of those things. That, ah, I think there's a lot of holes, and here.
0: maybe that's the thing with middle. If, if the middle really is about connecting the beginning to the end, mm. it has to hold up continuity of theme of character. And mm-hmm. I think for trilogies or series. That's really important. You no, know, yeah. whatever you're changing, you still got to keep some of that I mean, bone, like or, it, or, or change it subtly. Like you can change it bit by bit, but not like sure,
1: sure. As flawed as they are, I do think the second two Pirates of the Caribbean movies actually did this well when they were
0: yes, yeah.
1: transforming the Pirates movies from just being a one-off to a trilogy. Yeah, I, I,
0: yeah, I think it kind of convoluted,
1: kind of but I don't think the middle's bad. Well, I mean, there are things about I think the second one is, it falls into the trap of, like, we gotta make our second one of the trilogy as dark as possible. Oh, yeah. Which I'm like, eh,
0: I don't care. You don't, care don't have that. to do it. I don't, yeah.
1: Just because George Lucas, it doesn't
0: mean you and have it kind to. And it makes sense kind of when you're the rebel cause for the Empire. Yeah, it does there, but at the very least, the
1: second Pirates movie does like build on the world on the, mm-hmm. in the front half and then give a
0: direction. All right, we got to go save Jack. It's <laughs> yep. just
1: like we got to go save Han.
0: We got to yep. go save Jack Sparrow. And it builds on all the characters. And they're not, I mean, they, they have new sides to them, but they're not inconsistent with the old. Yes. With the characters themselves and their relationships with each other. Yeah. Yeah. Any other trilogies worth talking about working? I mean, like Back to the Future basically does, it just kind of ramps up the. It does the same thing that, I mean, it plays interestingly with things recurring. Like, yeah, new ideas, fresh ideas. But um, like like spent. that family things happen again when they get old, you know, Yeah, yeah. father-son sort of stuff, which is interesting.
1: Yeah, it does the
0: natural things like we went to the past, then we got to go to yeah. the future, uh, the
1: far-off future of 2015. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> and then like say Batman trilogy, like Nolan ones. I mean, that's more of a thematic. Yeah. Which is interesting. But it, does, it pushes the character a little more, asks different questions, mm-hmm. does something to do with Gotham. But it's very... In line with the world created, yeah, yeah, and just says, okay, we know this. Now, what if we push it a little farther? What happens?
1: It's interesting compared to the um, talking about middles of the trilogies, the the Two Towers book versus movie, yeah. because the book it's an odd beast like you've got the Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli stuff that just kind of they're kind of finding a new mission and they're going like first they're chasing after Mary and Pippin yeah. and then they're off doing their thing. It's kind of all over the place in some ways. And the movie tries to bring that to a climax at Helm's Deep, whereas the book goes a little bit farther. Mm -hmm. And basically, I'm not sure what the climax is. I guess it's Pippin looking at the plans here?
0: Well, yeah. The weird thing, though, about that is, I hopefully I'm quoting this right, I believe Tolkien actually, it was one book in his head.
1: Um, And they said it was too
0: big, so they split into three. So he doesn't necessarily think of them as... So he doesn't think of them as three separate. That's a fair point. Which... Makes sense because Two Towers, it is the middle. I mean, in every sense. Yeah. <laughs> so in many ways, it's messy. I don't think it loses momentum, but it doesn't have that clean beginning, middle, end inside the book itself.
1: Not as much, except for, I will say, the very ending of Two Towers. Yeah. I think it's one of the Tolkien's best cliffhangers he's ever done.
0: Yes, <laughs> you yeah. ever did <laughs> and It's so it's so frustrating because like and then you have to read all of book five until you get to like so you find out what happened to Frodo. And, and those first three
1: chapters and mordor are just brutal yeah yeah no that's that is a regret that i have about the movies that they they couldn't pull off that uh that particular cliffhanger at least in the same way yeah but yeah that's a good point it's as a book it's It is the middle point, but it's not quite the same feel. It's
0: not set up as a standalone middle. Yeah. It's a, a, his theory is like middle of an epic. It's the middle of six books, not the middle of three books. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a good point. And it does, it does do the expanding and building the world and moving the pieces around because some of the middles are just moving pieces around. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. I think, I think that's all we've got for that. I think we've, uh.
1: I really do like the, I mean, Empire Strikes Back was a great blueprint for. Mm-hmm. I mean, middle of a trilogy, but I think you can apply a lot of that to just single stories too. Yeah,
0: and the nice thing about using it is it's relatively simple, mm-hmm. as opposed to like I mean, things get very complicated in books or longer series. But then yeah. I think a lot of it still, the general ideas still stand, even though they might get messier, more complicated. Sure. All right, so that is our story school on middles. Ta da! So I guess next we'll go to soundtrack. So, Tim, we'll do your soundtrack first. I think you have a very new and unheard of game here. (laughs) Okay, so,
1: yes, I picked a remix from Final Fantasy VI, which which I've used a lot, but to be fair, it's been like 90-some episodes since I touched Final Fantasy VI, or at least since I used it. I think one of our guests, I think Nate Chin, used a Final Fantasy VI remix. There's just so much good music and remix. There's
0: lots of remixes. Exactly,
1: and Final Fantasy VI has probably the most definitive middle of any video game I can think of where like the world breaks apart and so like there's a very definite first half of the game and second
0: half of the game. I was thinking when you mentioned this 6 in some ways is the middle of the evolution of Final Fantasy. That's a fair point. It really is the pinnacle of the
1: the old style. 6 and
0: 7 together the middle really.
1: Well yeah but 7 is really like the birth of the 3D era of Final Fantasy which we're still in basically and 6 is like the pinnacle of the 2d pixel yeah, yeah style so anyway so this is a remix of a song basically the climatic battle of the middle yes <laughs> uh, just before the world gets broken apart the name of the remix appropriately enough is evisceration and it, this is by flex style and it is uh as aggressive as the name should suggest but i hope you will enjoy it nonetheless
0: Hopefully you survived that onslaught of sound. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, we are now for our second half going to do a little bit of Challenge Accepted. Alright, so we have decided that we went to Project Gutenberg where there's lots of books.
1: Lots of free books. Lots, lots of, of free cl- books.
0: A lot of classic books. And we're gonna each pick several and read from the middle, pro- approximately the middle, of the book and see if the other Person can guess what classic book this is from. Yes. Getting right in the middle of the action. Yes. So, Tim, do you want to go first or shall I? Uh, I can go first. Okay, go for this. Okay, so here we go.
1: All right, I'm going to close my eyes and envision. All right. But there is no hilarity in the little town that same tranquil Saturday afternoon. Harper's and Aunt Polly's family were being put into mourning with great grief and many tears. Wait, is this Tom Sawyer? It is Tom Sawyer. All right. Yeah. Good job. Yay. Yeah. We, we, I kind of figured going to this, the characters' names might be the easiest giveaway for here, which is
0: helpful. I, I want, we almost need to keep a timer to hell fast. I, don't, I just keep, re- keep reading until we find it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Try that. That was pretty quick. I should have told well, you
0: that. Well, also, I'm actually, I have Tom Sawyer on my desk to reread in case I want to do something with it for school. Oh, nice. So my brain was already kind of in Tom Sawyer land. Oh, okay. So I'm not sure I would always have got it that fast. But, but that was impressive. Was it Aunt Polly? I guess Aunt Polly's was, what got it. Yeah, that's what I figured. When I was a hilarity, I'm like, okay, this is an older book. Well, they're all kind of older, but <laughs> oh, there's yeah. some 1900, I mean, there's early 1900 books in Gutenberg. Yes, so, sure. All right. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I'll go start a timer. This is chapter 13. Okay, all right. So Dr. Seward's Diary. The funeral was arranged for the next succeeding day, so that Lucy and her mother might be buried together. I attended to all the ghastly formalities, and the urbane undertaker provided that his staff were afflicted or blessed with something of his own obsequious suavity. Even the woman who performed the last offices for the dead remarked to me, in a confidential, brother-professional way, when she had come out from the death chamber, She makes a very beautiful corpse, sir. It's quite a privilege to attend on her. It's not too much to say that she will do credit to our establishment. I noticed that Van Helsing never kept far away.
1: Okay, I should know this, but I don't. Uh,
0: Van Helsing, yeah, that's your clue. Yeah,
1: right? like I, I know that name, but I don't, I know it more from the Hugh Jackman movie than anything. I mean, what, what does that have to do with
0: the Hugh Jackman it- movie?
1: Dracula? Dracula. Okay, okay. This is Dracula. I've never read Dracula. I would like to. I've never read Dracula either. Well, there you go. I'm
0: like, this might be hard. And I'm like, Van Helsing. Oh, he'll get that when I get there.
1: Okay. I got it in like 40 seconds. It was a so. long passage. So. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All okay. right. So I guess that means it's my turn. Next. Yes. Eh, what I say? I speak true when I say that buck two devils. This was Francois's <laughs> speech the next- Call m- the Wild. <laughs> yes.
0: Good job. Uh, see, I just read that this year, so- <laughs> I, I knew you talked this book, That's per- so. a parole, I think- uh sure. E E R R A U All or his or his partner. is one of it those is, two guys. I think it's
1: Francois. Francois, okay. That's impressive. You uh got it with them
0: like the first sentence, right? Really. Oh man, all right. I You're on a roll. There here. are some classics I know. <laughs>
1: all
0: right. I mean you've taught that one how many times now? Three. No? No, it's two. It's only been my second time. Oh, okay. So nice. But all right. This one I'm not giving you the title. But uh, you'll get the, it hopefully chapter. pretty quick. Well, we'll see. Okay. This is uh book twelve. Okay. After we were clear of the ro- river Oceanus and had got out into the open sea, we went on till we reached the Aegean islands, where there was dawn and sunrise, as in other places. We then drew our ship on the sands, got out of her onto the shore, where we went to sleep and waited till day should break. Then, when the child of morning, rosy fingered dawn, appeared, I sent some men to Circe's house to fetch the body of Elphinor. We cut firewood from a wood where the headland jutted out into the sea. And after we wept over him and lamented him, we performed his funeral rites. When his body and armor had been buried to ashes, we raised the carn, set a stone over it, and at the top of the carn, I think that's how we say it, that's how you say C-A-I-R-N. I think so. I, I mean, probably there's probably more of a lilt to it or yeah, something. Yeah, well, I can't manage that. <laughs> we fixed the oar that had been used to row with. While we were doing all this, Circe, who knew we got back from the house of Hades, dressed herself and came to us as fast as she could. I don't know. You want to keep reading? Uh, is this the Odyssey? It is the Odyssey. Okay. great job! I was about to go
1: in a, in a wrong direction. Then and I was like, "Wait, Circe. I'm pretty yeah. sure that's like some sort of there's like mythological a mythological thing. Yeah. 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 Okay. Now, okay. is
0: this is a translation by? This on the Gutenberg version, so it's a translation by Samuel Butler. So it's in prose, not in poetry. Oh, so okay. it depends on your sure. cup of tea. But okay, interesting. Yeah, Good job. I have a little harder. Those are kind of hard. This. Yeah, I had to had to think about you that. Yeah, to dig into that one. This. Uh, uh, my, anyways, yes. I
1: almost went like a Robert Louis Stevenson direction. We hit the, the
0: ocean piratey sort of feel to it. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Okay. At the first Scotch town which we reached, my guide sought out his friend and counselor to consult upon the proper and legal means of converting into his own lawful property the Bonnie Creature. Is this Rob Roy? It is Rob oh, Roy. Rob
0: Roy, yay! Yes. i would not have got that except to have read it last year
1: yeah exactly that, i'm picking books that i know that you've read but like i
0: figured it's like this is obscure enough yeah you let me the one i picked i think is gonna be a little i'm gonna pick another version of this book not version but same author different Anyways. Okay. okay i think this is probably a little less a little more fair if i do this way that one was going to be, low. I don't think there was even enough names or other things in that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I am impressed. Even though, again, you, you just read Rob Roy last year. You still got it within the first sentence, which, like, I've been needing, a, like, a
0: paragraph before. I'm like, uh. Okay. Are you ready? Ready. All right. The weather was bad during the later days of the voyage. The wind, obstinately remaining in the northwest, blew a gale and retarded the steamer. The Rangoon rolled heavily and the passengers became impatient of the long, monstrous waves, which waves raised before their path. A sort of tempest arose on the third of November. The squall knocking the vessel about with fury, the waves running high. The Rangoon reefed all her sails, and even the rigging proved too much, whistling and shaking amid the squall. The seaman was forced to proceed slowly, and the captain estimated that she would reach Hong Kong twenty-four hours behind time. And more of the storm lasted. Phineas Fogg or Philly's Fogg gazed at oh, his. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, I don't think I know this
1: until if you gave me a character name. This is around the world in eighty days. Yeah,
0: you might have got it from the Hong Kong twenty four hours behind, but probably mm, not.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I had. Peasley- I was all
1: trying to think. It's like what classic book involves a steamer and like, but and there's passengers,
0: so it's not Moby Dick or something like that. But okay. Uh, well, I and I originally had during um, the center of the earth, but the middle of that didn't have any names or anything. It was going to be really mm. rough, mm. so I figured this would at least at Phileas Fogg at some point. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Okay, I'm going
1: to I'm gonna find a section, since you've been getting these so easily. Yeah, I'm give gonna, me a hard section. I'm going to find a section that...
0: This is probably the one you're reading
1: for three minutes, and I'll have... <laughs> Something that doesn't have the names showing up right away. Okay, we'll try this. We sat in the dreamy room among the old strange influences which had so wrought upon me, and I learned that she had but just come home from France and that she was going to London. Proud and willful as of old, she had brought those qualities into such subjection to her beauty that it was impossible and out of nature, or it's, I thought so, is this, uh, um, to separate them from her beauty. Truly, it was impossible to disassociate her presence. It is this great
0: expectations? It is great expectations. Nice. Good that's job. A, well, that's a good description of... <laughs> of um,
1: Pip's relationship with Estella.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing think of their names. Exactly. Yep. Awesome. It's amazing if you know kind of a, I mean. I couldn't have quoted that or anything, but there's just a—the characters are so good in that book.
1: Yeah, they're very distinct, so yeah, good job. Yeah, I think you earned that one a little bit better. Okay. That
0: time. <laughs> this one—well, we'll just do it. Okay. If you don't get this after a paragraph or two, I'll probably just tell you. This is probably not completely fair, but you'll understand. Bring it. There was the same dazzling red glare. The sea gasped for air with each shallow, stifled little wave that broke on the sand— I was walking slowly towards the rocks, and I could hear my forehead swelling under the sun. All that heat was pressing down on me and making it hard for me to go on. And every time I felt a blast of its hot breath strike my face, I gritted my teeth, clenched my fists in my trouser pockets, and strained every nerve in order to overcome the sun and the thick drunkenness it was spilling over me. With every blade of light that flashed off the sand, from a bleached shell or a piece of broken glass, my jaws tightened. I walked for a long time. Let me do a little more. Um, I want to give a guess. Yes. I, this is
1: more going off of you yes. than, than the passage, yes. probably. I, but yes. I'm going to guess Rob is in Crusoe. It is not. Oh, okay. Um, then I guess I'll need a little bit more. I don't I know if it's going to give you any more. But uh, I'll, I'll
0: all, all I've got is a guy walking down the beach so far. Yeah, that's all you need with a hot sun. From a distance, I could see the small, dark mass of rocks surrounded by a blinding halo of light and sea spray. I was thinking of the cool spring behind the rock. I wanted to hear the murmur of his water again, to escape the sun and the strain and the women's tears, and to find shade and rest again at last. But as I got closer, I saw that Raymond's man had come back. I could keep going on. I don't think it's going to help. Yeah, I don't think I know this. Uh, at least... Th- this, ready? Yeah, go for it. This is The Stranger. Oh, is it Really? <laughs> I had to do it, Tim. You know, and,
1: I thought about doing it. I didn't even think it would be on Project Gutenberg. Nah, I had to go hunt it down somewhere else.
0: <laughs> I should have guessed that. And again, I go straight to the middle, like the middle page. Because it's on PDF. And uh, it's about him on the beach with hot sun, which is exactly why he kills somebody. I, I should have thought.
1: I mean, <laughs> it's been 20 years. I, since I wouldn't recognize
0: it either. I just, it, it was too good to pass up.
1: <laughs> it was too good to pass up. Oh, brother. Okay. All right. Well, let's see. This This one, I don't know if this will be tricky or not.
0: Didn't, I didn't get to do our uh, What's Upon a Scene this time. So. <laughs>
1: Finally, I have to bring back The Stranger.
0: Yes, one last time. Oh, goodness. For okay. nostalgia's sake. <laughs> All right, let's see what you can
1: do here. Walking in the shadow of a dream, as it were, and perhaps actually under the influence of a species of somnambulism, Mr. Dimmesdale reached the spot where oh, now so long um, since um, Scarlet Letter. Scarlet Letter. Yeah. Okay. See, I wasn't sure if you how well you know
0: Scarlet Letter. I mean, see, okay, So what, Dimmesdale used to be a verb in my house. Oh, really? Yes. Do Dimmesdale yourself. Oh, okay. Because it was a, for me. So Dimmesdale. I don't know. if At some point. Yeah, I've read it. He's he, a, yeah. He 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 flogs himself uh-huh. because of his guilt. OK, so it's one that I used to use it for, like, whenever I have to, like, punch myself just to, you know, you have that's to feel bad enough. Right. Yeah. So I would dim myself. <laughs>
1: I, You know what? I was thinking I hadn't really heard you talk about Scarlet Letter that much. But now that you mention that, I, I'm sure I've seen it in something you've written. You know, at it's some point. interesting,
0: though, because I literally haven't read it since high school, I don't think. Mm, yeah. I mean, that's um, when that's when I read it. Yeah.
1: It's one of those books that, like,
0: if you're of a certain age, you read it in high school. I I would like to read it again. I probably would appreciate it probably more than I did then. Yeah, same here. I mean, it's certainly stuck in my head well enough since then. I remember reading Hawthorne, Young Goodman Brown. Have you read that? Mm -mm. That's an interesting one. And then um, in college I read Rappuccini's Daughter. Really, He does really interesting things with, like, religious biblical symbolism. And I know he's an interesting author. Mm. I not uh, read—what did Natasha read? House of the Seven Gables. I think that's Hawthorne. Oh, is it? Okay. I think it's a novel. That's uh, honestly probably about all I know of, of Hawthorne. Is The Scarlet
1: Letter. What well, is his most famous for? I think he didn't do Rip Van Winkle, did he? No, no that was um uh, the other Irving. Guy. Or yeah, okay, yeah. I, they
0: were all like same time period. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, we got time, Nick, and that's I got okay. I got a little here. I got one a kind of bonus one here. Okay. This is stranger than my bonus one, but. <laughs> I'm not sure I want to read this first. Ah, do I want to read this first paragraph? I'll just go with it. It'll give you. Okay. I fear the ancient mariner. I fear thy skinny hand, and thou art long and lank and brown. Is this rhyme of the ancient mariner? It is. <laughs> it's a great poem. Have you read the poem before? I don't think so, but it's a little fresh in my mind because of Clayton. Well, that's why I picked it, because <laughs> it I want to was- reread it, but it's a beautiful poem.
1: It was referenced in a book that we read for our uh, small group not long that's ago. It's where you have
0: the line um, water, water everywhere,
1: and not drop to mm-hmm. drink. I'm pretty sure I have a grandfather who memorized that when he was at oh, school. Oh, wow. Yeah. It, I mean,
0: it's long. But it'd be easier than some to memorize but there's a very nice cadence and mm, r- you, a lot of rhyme going on with it.
1: Yeah, I'm sure once you, you know the the rhythm pretty well, it'd be mm-hmm. a lot easier to remember. Okay, Nick, I pulled this off my bookshelf. Okay. And, um, we'll see if this—I'm being a little bit more vague here. Okay, okay you, go for you've it. You've had it easy. I've had so it easy. I've yeah. had it easy. Okay. So let's see what we got. During a subsequent visit, however, Chang told him that there were other books published up to about the middle of 1930, which would doubtless be added to the shelves eventually. They had already arrived at the lam- uh, Lamistry. We keep ourselves fairly up to date, you see, he commented. There are people who would hardly agree with you, replied Conway with a smile. Quite a lot of things had happened in the world since last year, you know. Nothing of importance, my dear sir, that, that could not have been foreseen in 1920 or that will not be better understood in 1940. You're not interested, then, in the latest developments of the world crisis? I shall be very deeply interested. In due course.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Okay, this this next... Yeah, this next... Yeah, I don't... I I, Not ringing the bell.
1: You know, Chang, I'm beginning to understand you. You're geared differently, that's what it is. Time means less to you than it does to most people. If I were in London, I wouldn't always be eager to see the latest hour-old newspaper. And you at Shangri-La are no more eager to see a year-old one. Whoa, 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 whoa. Is this Lost Horizon? It is. You have a book of Lost Horizon? I got this at a library book sale not too long ago, just like you. Wow, uh,
0: nice. I was
1: just like. Well, I had I'm, to read that. I'm curious about this, because we uh, we, wa- we watched the movie with Brian
0: Churchill for Cinema Selections way back in well, the and day. I was tempted, after watching uh, It's Wonderful Life again this year, being like, I need to watch that movie again. That would be. It was a good movie. It was book, a too. good movie. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: So well, there. Okay,
0: like Chang, I'm like, this is weird Conway, I'm like. I don't know, that's a weird... Then Shangri-La, obviously, then. Yeah, I think think Shangri-La might, but I was giving it some build-up to it. No, I like that. Yeah. Okay, here's the whole... Well, it's either really easy or you're not going to get it. Okay. Okay. But I I had to get the middle of this book, which was interesting. That evening left Marius profoundly shaken with a melancholy shadow in his soul. Is this Les Mis? It is. Lamez or I should say. Excuse so me. I'll tell you what. <laughs> find the middle of this book was something else. There are
1: five. <laughs> <imagine laughs> so. There's
0: five books and inside of those have eight sections each. Either those have <laughs> chapters in front of I'm like, I don't know. So what, I just wanted to find the middle.
1: One the trying to find the middle on a website as opposed to a book makes it a little tricky. Well,
0: I just I actually just did it via um the chapters. But I guess it went okay. based on the approximately here be what is this chapter? I don't even know these guys' name. Good thing you didn't pick that part. Yeah. Random French people. Yeah. Just,
1: I just happened to recognize Mary. That feels good. I actually recognized it from a character name right away. Good job. Oh, The <laughs> Friends of
0: ABC is what I gave you, which would have been much harder. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Monsieur Marius Pontmercy, I'll be saying. Good book. All right. That was fun. That was, that was a lot I, of fun. I enjoyed that because it's like, you did a very good job picking good books. I was a little more mean. <laughs> That's um, okay. I mean... Well, and then sometimes the middle just didn't have much. I mean, I didn't tweak it a lot. Van I mean, yeah. thing you got pretty well once you got the name. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, it,
1: yeah, it's funny. As soon as you can recognize a character name, you, you it really grounds you. It
0: does, it does. It helps. Like, suddenly like, oh, okay,
1: I know where we are. I mean, unless you really know the story, like, we didn't even get to a name when, when I read Call of the Wild. Um, what well, you said, Buck? Did I say? Oh, okay, Buck. Two devils.
0: Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that's a good point. So that one. I mean,
1: like, I bet. I bet if you had done something from like
0: Treasure Island, I would have recognized yeah. that right away. Yeah. Yeah. Most likely because I've read when that you got book. hit Philly's Fog, you got it right away. Yeah. Yeah. yeah if have done Treasure Island, and plus there's a very distinct style to that one.
1: There is. There is. And I just know that I read, read, and read, read that mm-hmm. one multiple times.
0: So I about going like, oh, I'm going to find the middle of the Bible and see if you can. <laughs> That right, would, Psalm 109 111 or something like that, something, yeah, or 109 or whatever. They or, say or this is the middle chapter. Oh, 119? 119 119. That's, that's the middle chapter of the Bible, I think, isn't it? I think
1: so, yeah. Though it's like the longest chapter oh, in the Bible, yes, it seems it's appropriate, yeah, yeah, it does seem
0: appropriate. <laughs> All about the meditating God's law, yeah, yeah, that fits, that fits, that fits. So, yeah, middles are interesting, They're Again, they're not as quite as um, middles are not as memorable as beginnings and ends, yes, but they're vital there like when you watch a movie like you always have the favorite scene it's usually a scene but like you gotta get through all the it's usually at the end of the beginning you gotta go get through all the stuff first and mm-hmm. then like oh finally but it's worth it i mean if you do it right the build-up makes it worth it absolutely people will sometimes
1: quote the the first line of something or the last line of something yeah. no one's going to quote a middle sentence in chapter 23 not usually 50. unless it's
0: very <laughs> of pith, pithy or very yeah moving. i mean i mean something generally. by itself yeah but but it's not known for being from the middle of the book no necessarily no but and i guess that's where we live right now is in the middle of everything yeah it's kind of a mess that's, sometimes
1: <laughs> that's true i mean yeah i guess there's something more milestoney about the beginning or the ending of something mm-hmm. but yeah real life is usually just in the middle of stuff yep yep <laughs> right but, that good i think that's yeah that's about I mean it's gonna be we gonna be a lopsided podcast a yeah,
0: little bit. That's fine.
1: Yeah. So we didn't we didn't find a clean middle point in this podcast. <laughs> but Well it fits. It fits. It fits. It'll sometimes. be it'll still wind up being about our usual length. Okay, so. that sounds good.
0: All right. All right, then um that guy's still just staring at it. I feel pretty soon he's gonna use lots of fancy words and lecture us about stuff. Choice. Um, I have a feeling
1: it's gonna sound more deep than it actually is. Yes, yes. I'm done with that. We're done. Yeah, let's uh, let's find a way uh way to exit out of here. Yeah. Well, uh, but Control first, delete. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, but but first, I think you have a soundtrack. I do have a
0: soundtrack. So I decided to pick a song from Mist Three. there's five kind of standalone Mist games. Then there's a Uru, which is a whole different thing. I've only actually I just recently started playing Mist Three. Oh, really? It was on sale on good old games GOG.com oh, and you just recently bought a new computer right so yeah. you can so actually like, play stuff exactly <laughs> like hey new computer four bucks for a miss let's buy it you know <laughs> I um, bet your old computer could have played. It, it Myst. could. Have. It was. It's it one of those things. That was almost a, that, it could have played. Myst. It was one of those mental things. Like, ooh, shiny computer, you don't have to wait 15 minutes for it to start up. Like you press it on and it's ready to go. Yeah. Um, and you're like, ooh, I forgot computers. There's a thing. They <laughs> work. They work. Yeah. They work. yeah. <laughs> so this is called um, American Wheels Wonder. It's remixed by Maze Dude. Which of- I've, I've had a couple of times. So you have Final Fantasy Six. I have Maze Dude. It's, it's good. Yeah, yeah, we're back to our, our standards here. <laughs> um, it's from his American album, which is an amazing album. I've I've brought multiple things from that. Probably. I mean, it, it predates. Gems is from that. Oh, okay. I know it predates the, when Maze Dude was on our show. That was for American Pixels. Yeah, that which it, is his
1: newer one. It came out after this one, yeah. Yes.
0: So, anyways, it's his normal kind of chill, aggressive ambient.
1: Chill, aggressive ambient. Yes. Sure. Yes, sure. Hopefully you enjoy it, and until uh, and, next and if, time. And if you did, feel free to share this podcast with oh, yeah, people, oh, yeah, I guess we
0: should say, yeah.
1: It, you can share it on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I, I hear Stitcher has uh, is going out of business. Okay. or Closing down.
0: We pay so much attention to Stitcher.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently, yeah. I don't know anyone listened to this on Stitcher. No. Apparently it was important for some people, but I think you'll go find your podcasts on Spotify now.
0: Yes. And, um, visit our website, dearrealtrainswiththought.com and leave comments. Yeah. We would love to hear from you. I Tell mean, us your, fa- we would love to hear from you. Oh yes. Um, so next episode, as we've been saying for a while, is going to be our last one for, before high, uh, undetermined amount of time hiatus. Yes. But we would love if you have something that you remember about the podcast, a favorite segment, uh, a time that you just really, something we felt said profound or ridiculous, or, you know, a scene that you're just like, that was hilarious. Send us a, a you know, you can send us a comment, but we would love a little audio clip. Yeah. We, we might use it in the next episode. We'd just like to hear some some of your, you know, greatest hits yeah. of um, of the old trains of yes. thought. Yeah, we
1: normally keep our plans for future episodes kind of close to our chest. But in this case, we're just going to let you know, we're going to be talking about nostalgia because it feels appropriate for... uh, After doing
0: 150 episodes and taking a break, you look back and see
1: what's been going on. Yeah, exactly. So we'll look back at, we'll talk about nostalgia just as a story school concept first. But we'll also look at a lot of our old segments and looking at how they've... uh, changed over time. It'll be a bit of a clip show of sorts.
0: So So if you have a clip that you just remember finding entertaining, great, meaningful, One of your favorites. Yeah. Tell us. Like Like you said, greatest hits. Like, Zach, if you want to send your best soundtrack that you ever listened to, you know, that'd be great. (laughs) The one he accidentally didn't skip. (laughs)
1: That's right. That'd
0: be be fantastic.
1: (laughs) Uh, But yes, you you can simply just record it on your phone, keep it to within 30 seconds, no more than a minute, and then you can email us at derailedtrains at gmail.com, uh, or you can send a, a, send us a DM on Facebook or Twitter,
0: X. Yep, um, Either one of those ways, we would love to be able to include you on the show. I think that's finally everything. I think that's all. So we'll uh, get going with American Wheels Wonder, and until next time, this has been Nick. And this is Tim. Adios. Bye-bye.